Where am I? <laughs> Second Timothy. And I, I think I think we only got about as far as verse seven last week. Is that correct? Something like that. And uh, uh, we will pick it up here. Uh, if you've never been to our uh, Wednesday night Bible study, what we do is we take uh, a, a section of the Bible and we go through it one verse at a time. Ding 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 ding. Put it all in context. Uh, try to learn as much as we can uh, from it. A little different than on Sunday mornings where we kind of jump all over the place or just take one verse and I'll pontificate on it uh, for the whole service. But this, we try to do it one verse at a time. So we go through the whole thing, see it in context. What were they thinking? What were they uh, uh, believing as uh, they were writing these things? Because uh, it's very, very powerful stuff. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy. He loves this guy. He's a young man. Um, he knew his grandmother, knew his mother, and knows him. And uh, talk, we talked about that last week about this idea of multi-generational faith, passing on our faith to our children and to our grandchildren. Here's a young man who was, if you will, raised in church. He was raised in a faith environment uh, his entire life. And uh, um, Paul is writing to Timothy, trying to give him instruction in how to build the church. I mentioned this last week. You know, you have to remember that these guys, we, it's different for us. We got 2,000 years of history of Christianity, of church, and everything else. This was all new to these guys. They were starting from point zero, and all of a sudden, boy, how do we do this? And again, remember, when, when Jesus said he was coming back, they thought he was like coming right back, and they really didn't think really long term. Well, by now, they're already understanding uh, it's not going to happen right away, and Paul is now dealing with a very important uh, issue of how do we establish Christianity for the long haul? How do we keep a healthy church? How do we make this so that generations down the road, um, this is still vital and vibrant and alive? By and large, I'd say they did a pretty fabulous job because here we are 2,000 years later and still uh, living this wonderful experience uh, in Christ and and learning from the scriptures and stuff. Certainly uh, throughout history at times, churches uh, got a little wacky and crazy and way off the mark. But even through all of that, uh, Jesus said, my I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And indeed, the gates of hell have not prevailed. And the church is continuing to go and is continuing to be alive and and relevant. And and we're trying to keep it as healthy as we possibly can. As uh, who knows, you know, Jesus could come back tomorrow. Hallelujah. Game over. We're out of here. You know, I don't care if I don't see who wins American Idol. I want out. You know, it'd be great. You know, uh, so there's, you know, there's nothing on this earth that is so important to me that I'm not, you know, saying, man, come Lord Jesus, that'd be great. Uh, but he may not come for another 300 years for all we know. Nobody knows. What we do know is that we need to have a healthy church. We need to understand how the scriptures work. We need to understand how faith works. And we need to live in such a way that we can perpetuate this to other generations and touch as many people as we can as we go along the way. So he's writing to Timothy, this young preacher, and, and trying to give him advice uh, about how to go about this thing. So he writes to him, he says, so, so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner. We touched on that a little bit last week as we left off on this. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Hallelujah. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. How did he destroy death? We still all have to die. 
You know, if you live long enough, someday you will die. And, uh, we're, you know, short of, of Jesus showing, coming back and bringing this all to an end, it's a fate we're all going to be dealt with. What does it mean that he destroyed death? Well, when God raised Jesus from the dead, uh, it, was, uh, it was that breaking of the power of death. And, and de- he, the Bible refers to Jesus as the firstborn of the dead. The proof of his resurrection is the proof that we too someday shall be resurrected. Hallelujah. Uh, even though this body must pass, you know, uh, and even if the Lord came tomorrow and we're all caught up in the rapture, the Bible says even when that happens, physically, the people will be changed in an, an instant, a twinkling of an eye. Why? Because this flesh body does not get in up there. It has been poisoned by sin. It is the reason it must die. It can never see God. And uh, when we're resurrected, or if you're caught up on that day, the thing is, is that we are resurrected with, with uh, new bodies, eternal bodies, that are not poisoned by sin. So, pretty cool. And all that was demonstrated when Jesus was raised from the dead, which is what we're going to be focusing on and celebrating uh, uh, in two Sundays from now um, uh, on Easter. Hallelujah. Okay, so, and all this was brought to light, he says, uh, through the gospel, the good news, the teaching of the very thing that we're talking about, and helping people to understand this life that comes through what Christ did. And of this gospel, he writes, I was appointed a herald, and an apostle, and a teacher. Indeed, um, you know, when, when he first came to faith, you know, Jesus spoke to him in an audible voice. That doesn't happen for many people, but it did happen for him. Uh, he probably needed that. He was intensely anti-Christian. This man hated Christianity at the highest levels. Uh, he was the one who was responsible and certainly took credit for the, the first martyr, Stephen. Uh, the, uh, the clothes of Stephen's uh, was laid at, at Saul's feet. At the time his name was Saul. Um, and he went everywhere trying to persecute Christians, to kill them, to arrest them, to break them up, to do everything he can to stamp out this, this cult of Christianity, this, this, this rabid thing that was changing the world and everybody felt so threatened by. And, and Paul, or Saul at the time, was, his, was, his, was leading the charge against this. And it was on his way uh, uh, to Damascus when all of a sudden... You know, this guy on his mission to destroy more Christians was, was knocked to the ground and he hears the voice of Jesus. He has this incredible uh, conversion experience. And, uh, and then he becomes a believer. And point of fact, not everybody believed that. They thought that he was just faking it. That he was going to pretend to be a believer and come in and then, you know, uh, you know, like, you know, some horror movie or something like that and arrest them all. And it took them a while, actually, before they really believed that this guy was the real deal. Uh, so, um, so anyway, he uh, was appointed. God spoke to him, had an immediate call on his life, told him that he would be taking the gospel uh, to the Gentiles, to those who are not Jews. And, uh, and that's what he did. And he says, that's why I am suffering as I am. He suffered plenty. In fact, when he got saved, you know, the Lord spoke to him and said, I will show you what great things you must suffer. Uh, which is really different than, you know, where the gospel is presented a lot today. You know, we're, we basically, basically present the gospel that if you come to Jesus, everything in your life will be better. Everything will be easier. Everything will be more peaceful. You know, yeah, every morning you get up, you know, chipmunks will help you clean the toilets and, 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 and squirrels will help you vacuum and everything will just be hunky-dory if you just get saved. And, and you know, and it's, it really does a disservice to people. Um, there is 
sometimes an, an element of suffering. Christianity is not the easiest thing in the world. And we're going to read more about this. And certainly Paul was suffering at the time. And we know that the early Christians suffered intensely, uh, often in very barbaric terms. But even without having that, there is always still this element of doing the right thing is not always easy. At times, doing the right thing is extremely hard. It is extremely hard. And, and uh, we teach people all the time, we need to do the right thing. It doesn't matter how, um, uh, how it affects us in terms of making us happy or not. You still got to do the right things. Jesus did not come to make us happy, really. He came to make us holy. That's why he came, to forgive us of our sins. Now, if you do the right things, I'm absolutely convinced you'll be happier than ever. That there's great joy in serving Jesus. Joy unspeakable, the Bible says, and full of glory. And, and I got to be honest with you, I, you know, the day I got saved, I, and I was a miserable sinner. I was a hippie, I was just miserable. You know, there were people who loved to party and stuff, and they just really dug it. And then there were people like me who did it, but didn't really dig it. And I was just miserable. I was miserable. The reason I was partying, I was trying to knock out all the misery inside. And, I, and when someone came to me and said, do you know you can have your sins forgiven? I was, what? You can? I was totally shocked. Never had heard this. You know, I was, went to church like a lot of people, you know, all your lives. They figure you had to do this and say enough prayers and sprinkle enough something on your head and do this and that and the other. And someday if you're lucky, 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 lucky maybe, maybe you'd get in. And, uh, you know, uh, I figured, you know, if, if really, really, really good people barely got in, I knew I was doomed. Because <laughs> I was one nasty dude. You know, I thought, this, this isn't going to work for me. And when someone said, no, you can know that you know that you know that you know that your sins are forgiven. I was stunned. I had never heard such a message in all of my life. Now, you mean to tell me God will forgive me what I've done? And, uh, and, and, and I, I really had a hard time conceiving of it. And he kept sharing with me. And man, I, I got down and prayed with this guy. And I remember I, I just tears running down my face, you know. And, and people respond in different ways. But it was extremely uh, dramatic for me. It just absolutely changed my life. And since the day I got saved, I got this stupid grin slapped on my face that has never gone away. And, uh, really, I mean, I'm in high school, people say, what is the matter? I just, everybody goes, dee, 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 dee. I'm so glad not to be going straight to hell. <laughs> this, this is thrilling to me. I'm very excited about this. Hell sounds like a real drag to me. And uh, the fact that I don't have to just go straight to hell, that I can actually have a relationship with God and my sins can be forgiven has been such a joy to me. Not that it hasn't been hard. There's times where my life has been unbelievably hard. There have been times where I have uh, put my life on the line in areas of the world going to preach and share the gospel as a young man. Uh, convinced that I would most likely either be seriously injured or possibly possibly killed. Uh, we would smuggle Bibles into, uh, at the time, you know, uh, communist countries, the Iron Curtain, all that kind of stuff. When they catch you doing this, this is a bad day for you, you know. But still, would would do it and just happy. Actually, the happiness always worked for me, you know. We'd <laughs> I remember one time we were coming to a communist country we were getting rid of we had this bus and we had all these bibles and stuff 
hidden inside compartments and stuff in the bus. And uh, we're pulling up to the to the thing, you know, with all these guards. And, and I looked around the bus, and everybody just looked like they broke the law. You know, I said, <laughs> guys, we better lighten up here. We're going to have a hard time. So uh, so I, I pulled my banjo out, and uh, we started singing, you know, you get loud, I'll get a pull, honey. You get loud, I'll get a pull, baby. So we just started having this hoedown, just trying to lighten things up. And I'll never forget, this guy, this border guard, jumps up on the bus, hears us all singing, and he starts doing a polka down the aisle, ding ding ding, and spinning around, and he goes, and woo, and he jumps off the bus, didn't look at nothing. And just waved us through. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I remember going witnessing uh, in, in, in Amsterdam, in, in, in the red light district, where all this legalized prostitution, and these guys would threaten us, if you come here, we will kill you, we will shoot you, we will beat you senseless. And these guys, you know, the pimps and stuff that ran this thing, this, these were serious Ho Chi Mama yikes kind of guys. And uh, But we'd still go down there. Really going down there thinking, you know, this, I'm probably going to get killed tonight. You know, or I remember reasoning to myself, how bad can it be to get shot? I mean, honestly, how bad can it be? You know, you just, but just I, just, I didn't care. We were going to do the right thing. And, and, and I had friends who did get beat up. I was fortunate. I, I didn't. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but they did. And it was kind of, but you know, it was great. People got saved. I remember this one pimp got saved. It was amazing. And uh, he started hanging around with us and he'd, he'd come and to our revival meetings and stuff and you know, he's just, you know, he's, he looked like Jean-Claude Van Damme. You know, just, and he'd, he'd break huge things, you know, karate bricks and stuff like that. And the kids would think it was really cool. It would freak me out. But everybody thought it was cool. And, uh, you know, so, so, I mean, sometimes you do the right thing, uh, even though it might be painful. Sometimes it'll be hard. And, and even those times were easier for me, even though I thought I might get hurt. There, there have been days where I've been so, so, so miserable you have no idea i mean bummed out depressed i feel you know just i want to give myself a swirly you know i just i'm so so bummed out but still would do the right thing i'm gonna serve god i remember praying once um the devil had me so convinced that i would just be miserable for the rest of my life because i was just going through such a hard time and i thought you know i don't care and i remember telling god god if i'm never if i never get anything out of this all my life i don't care i'm still going to serve you you know and it just sets you free and of course the devil just freaks out and figures this guy's too stupid to know when to quit and he leaves me alone so but you know sometimes doing the right thing is hard it's not always easy so the if you think christianity equals easy you're in for a shock because it's not and and uh um so he says, this is why I'm suffering as I am. He says, yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard that, uh, what I have entrusted to him for that day. Last Sunday, we, we talked about uh, the uh, story of the lady before, before Jesus you know, had his last supper who came to him and took this very expensive perfume and poured it out on him. And many of the disciples thought it was such a waste. How did he you know? And I talk about how people sometimes criticize people of faith for wasting their lives on Jesus. You know, you guys are here on a Wednesday night in church. Y'all are nuts. You know, what are you doing here? You're wasting your time. You could be watching American Idol, you know, and, and uh, IT void. But, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll watch it when I get home. But, uh, you know, you're wasting your lives and all this stuff. And how do you know it's not a waste? And Paul says, you know, I'm convinced that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. That I've given. This is not a waste. He is faithful. I can trust him. I don't care what kind of energy, what kind of sacrifice. This is not a waste. 
He is more than able to make up for all this stuff. And then he tells them, the, the preacher, he says, what you hear from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. In other words, basically, do what I do. What you hear me do, what you've seen me do, do the same thing. Why? Because he's trying to teach him to keep faith going. He was basically saying, you know, you know, you know ask yourself, what would Paulie do? That was it. What would Paul do? What would Paul do in this situation? And really, we should live the kind of lives that uh, if our children want to know how to succeed in faith, we should be able to say to them, you want to succeed at this? Do what I do. Live like I live. Experience what I, that's what I try to do with you guys. Challenge you. You want to do, do what I do. This is how I live life. Live life this way. Because it works. It works. God is faithful. You can trust him. It is an amazing thing. In spite of who you are, he loves you. Amazing thing. I kind of like you. But he really loves you. Okay? So, do what you've seen in me uh, with sound teaching, with faith, and the love of, of Christ Jesus. Do what I do. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Oftentimes, the Bible talks in terms about guarding what you have. Why is that? Because you can lose it. You can lose it. Faith is an interesting thing. Uh, you're never static. You are either moving forward or you are falling back. It is just that simple. There's no such thing as you get to a place and now you're just there and you can coast. There's no coasting in Christianity. Doesn't work. Never has. Never will. You say, well, I, you know, well, I went to church all my life and I, you know, I know all stuff. I'm, I'm okay. I'm just coasting. You're not coasting. You cannot coast. You are either moving forward or you are falling back. And I want you to tell you, tell you that there is the world, the flesh, and the devil will do everything they can to pull you back and take from you what you have in terms of any real sense of value or spirituality in your life. It's just the reality of it. Um, you can't just sit still. So he says, guard what you have. The Bible warns us, you know, beware of Satan who goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Why? We need to be on our guard. I've heard people say, no, the devil's nothing. He's just a toothless lion. No, no, no. He has very real teeth and they hurt really badly. And, he's, and he will destroy you and try and ruin your life in any conceivable way. He's constantly... You know, I, I love watching these... Uh, uh, National Geographic things and, and stuff, you know, particularly now because I have high definition TV and and it's one of the few channels that have high def. <laughs> if you got high def, you know, you buy this all the stuff. There's only like five channels that even have the stupid thing, you know. Try watch the Discovery Channel; it's, everything looks really cool. But uh, you, you're watching these these lions or these predators, and and they are constantly sizing things up, constantly walking about, constantly looking for an opportunity. Looking for an opportunity. Looking for a weakness. Trying to find somebody who's struggling. One animal that gets away from mama. Somebody who's not feeling quite well. So, and they're just constant. They're not just always chasing. It's amazing. You can see these lines are sitting there. There's like a gazillion wildebeest around them. And they're just sitting there. They want you to just go grab one. Because it ain't so easy. You know. They wait. They wait. They look. And... Uh, while they're fast and strong, they have limited spurts of energy, is the reality of it. And they wait until that opportunity, then boom. That's why the Bible says, pay attention. Be careful. Don't, don't think, you know, the Bible says, take heed when you think you can stand. Because you're most likely going to fall. Pride comes before destruction. When you think, I got nothing to worry about. I'm born again Christian. I listen to Pastor Mark once a week, whether I need it or not. Hallelujah. 
I'm pretty good, you know. Man, the minute you think you're okay, the minute you think, nah, that'll never happen to me. The minute you think, you know, ah, I'm above that sin or I'm above this, this problem or I'm above that addiction. Man, you're, you're, you're in trouble. When you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. When I hear of somebody falling into some horrible sin or some horrible thing in their lives, I never have the viewpoint, well, I'd never do that. I always think, oh, but for the grace of God, that would be me. That would be me. That's exactly why I think all this stuff freaks the wheelies out of me. It doesn't. I talk very openly about it. I, I, do, I, you know, I can't go down certain paths because it's a bad path for me. I know me. All right, so you just be smart. Don't do stupid stuff. A lot of us, we get in trouble because we're idiots. It's usually my case. I've got, I should, I should write a book of just my idiot stuff. I should. I could call it From an Ass to an Asset. That'd be good. That'd be work. That'd be good. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm still waiting for the asset part to kick in. I'm still kind of in the front part of that. But, you know, you know. Some of the stupid stuff we do is what gets us in trouble. The good news is even when you're being dumb as a brick, God still loves you. He does. Honestly. I mean, a lot of people think, well, I can't have faith because this is my fault. My mistake is my fault. All my mistakes are my fault. (laughs) All the circumstances I get is me. I know me. You know, and other people say, be smarter than that. No, I'm okay. And I fall at the bottom of the pit. I'm there because of me. You know, and the wonderful thing is God still loves me in spite of my stupidity, which is a new word. But uh, um, you can trust God no matter, but you've got to be aware. You need to be vigilant. This stuff uh, has come to us at a great price. Uh, Every foot that you fight for in faith, I don't care if you're one of these really strong, yo mama, I can quote half the Bible Christians. or, or, Or if you're one of these Christians that, you know, you're just glad not to be going to hell tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? You're just barely, you just barely got started in this thing. I don't care where you're at. Wherever you're at, you need to guard what you have. Because whatever you have, whatever part, part of faith that you have can be taken from you. Is it unusually light in here tonight? Is it really? I've been fighting this for like 20 minutes right now. <laughs> I usually can't see so many people staring at me. You know. Is it lighter than normal in here? It's not? I'm hallucinating. I said, okay, man, it's like, weird tonight. I have the attention span of a fly, you'll have to forgive me. <laughs> Everything I say, I keep hearing, a lot of light in here, a lot of light in here, a lot of light in here. Okay, anyway, <laughs> now that we've got that out, Mark, move on. Uh, and the beautiful thing about this, it says guard that this, this thing that was entrusted to you, this faith, this wonderful thing, but guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. It, you don't have to do this all on your own. In fact, truth is you can't do it all on your own. You try and live Christianity on your own power, <laughs> you're, you're toast. You cannot do this. In, in, in one great uh, sense, Christianity is not your responsibility, it is your response to his ability. You can't do this on your own. This isn't the kind of religion where you can really experience this just by following a bunch of strict regulations and stuff. The true life of God, the kind of faith that really changes your life, the kind of faith that makes you love somebody you can't stand, that is kind to somebody you'd rather choke to death, you know, even if it's your husband. Uh, You know, that, that kind of thing, 
you can't you can't manufacture that. I mean, you can you can manufacture faith to a degree. I mean, you can come in here and you can clap and you can sing and you can do you know all the stuff. But boy, when you're really in the trenches and you're really living life and and things are coming at you and people are irritating you and to really keep walking in the love of God, you can't make that up. But He will empower you to do this. That's the beautiful thing about this. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in us. It's not really just about you. It's about you yielding to him and letting him to... And sometimes you just got to admit it. Say, Lord, I, I can't do this. I need your help. Empower me. Empower me. Help me. I, I want to kill my children. Help me not to kill them. And, and let him empower you and strengthen you to do the things. You know, some people feel bad because they feel bad. Does that make any sense? Some of you looking like I just dropped in from Mars. Some, some people feel badly because at times they feel really badly. At times they really get mean. At times, and I know we shouldn't be. But, you know, I don't let that freak me out. There's times when I really am one of the biggest stinking jerks on the planet. I know that shocks some of you. But it's true. When I just get into uh, funk, I can be so mean. Shut up over there. She works for me. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody has their days. You know what I'm saying? You know, some people it's their minutes. Some some of us it's our weeks. You know, we're just and and life just stinks. And and then and then what happens when you start feeling that way? Instead of saying, "Lord, empower me to break out of this," then we feel bad because we feel bad, and we feel guilty. I'm a slob. I shouldn't done that. I kicked the dog. I shouldn't have kicked the dog. I sure it wasn't even my dog and I kicked it. And I just I feel terrible and I'm a terrible Christian and God must hate me because I hate me and everything. <laughs> and you can you can spiral out of control. You look really different from this angle. You can spiral out <laughs> I don't know why you guys come listen to me. I'm telling you. But you can spiral out of control where you're so guilty and you're so so lousy because you can't stand your husband or you can't stand your wife, your kids, your life, or your pastor. You can't stand him for the day. I can't imagine that. But you can stand him. And, and at times we're just people and at times things bug us and, but the thing is, is is when we start realizing that we can't do this on our own that's when you ask God Lord empower me give me your Holy Spirit I want to do the right thing it's not easy to do the right thing but I can't do the right thing on my own I need, and I'm telling you he's there for that he will empower you you can guard this stuff by the power of the Holy Spirit not guard the stuff by the power of you <laughs> Because you do it by power of you, it's not going to last very long. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody try to do this on their own strength and found they were sorely lacking? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But you let him empower you, it changes things. He can take you, uh, your natural abilities and make them supernatural. Which is really the beauty of Christianity. That you can be supernatural. Now a lot of times we take supernatural, we think, you know, floating around or real bizarre you know unusual things happening no 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 true supernatural Christianity is just natural everyday life that you do in a super way because he empowers that in you and you're not just a natural person you're a super natural person if you're a supernatural person that's just people think you're a wacko and you're crazy and get away from me that's what they think but when you're a supernatural person people go I want to be like that 
Did that make any sense? <laughs> you repeated yourself the same time with the same words. I know, but it's, it's different. Supernatural, you know, the floating out here, people think you're crazy. But when you can live life in a natural way, but in a supernatural way, wow, everybody wants in on that. And, that's, and I believe that's what Christians should be. We should live such supernatural lives. That's why I, I always boil it down to the basics. You hear me repeat it ad nauseum. But the truth is, if you can't live this stuff at home, what does it matter? If you can't live this with your neighbor, you know, I love Jesus, praise God, hallelujah, that stupid neighbor, you moron, you jerk, your dog poops in my yard again, I'm going to shoot him. Well, that's not supernatural, okay? You're just being mean. Well, he's a jerk. Well, love the jerk. Well, I, I'd love if he wasn't such a jerk. <laughs> well, yeah, wouldn't we all? That's easy. <laughs> I was talking to someone, you know, the other day. I said, well, why are you so mean? Because other people are mean to me. Okay. <laughs> How about when they're mean, you be nice. And it was like, <laughs> What? Because we all feel we've got to defend ourselves. We've got to fight for our own position. You know, someone going to be mean to me, I'll be meaner back. I'll knock these teeth out. I'll take you up, Jack. As long as people are nice to us, then we're Christians. The minute someone's a jerk at us, But a real Christian, a supernatural Christian, is when someone's being a jerk to you, instead of waving at them, one of these, you, you say to them, I love you, you have a great day. <laughs> Does that make any sense? I just, oh man. That, and, and you can't do that on your own. <laughs> you know, because you've tried. Real Christianity is, is, is in the trenches. And, and you can't do it on your own. He knows it. I know it. You know it. Okay. Let his power, ask him to help you. Ask him to help you. And it doesn't mean you have to become out here, just Lord, empower me. Help me, God. I want to kill this guy. Help me to be nice to him. Help me to be nice to my husband. He does not deserve it. He deserves the electric chair. Help help me be nice to the boy. Let him know that I love him in spite of himself. You know, and... uh, and it's okay. So does that mean you can't, we can't fight? No, you can fight. You know, it's all right to fight. You know, just don't be mean. See, that's the thing. We get mean when we some of us are just mean, mean fighters. And we fight dirty. And uh, I, I, my book just came out, by the way. It's uh, we might even have it available on, on Sunday. But uh, really, because I got this whole section on how to fight nice, how to fight fair, how to fight fair. There's fair fighting. There's mean fighting. The thing is, most of us are just mean fighters. We're just mean as rattlesnakes. And uh, that's not good. But you can be okay. I mean, life, it creates tension. I get it. You know, I was expecting you to live in an artificial world. I want you to live in a natural, remember? Natural, natural, natural. Just be super natural. You came to hear this. What do you want? Okay, moving on. 
Now he says, now you know, and he's writing to Timothy, he says, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including, whatever, (laughs) Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now that's got to be bad. When your name winds up in the Bible as being a jerk, (laughs) that's, you know what I'm saying? You know, I have been known to be a jerk. I just hope my name don't wind up in here as a jerk. And this, that's a bad, bad thing. For Vigilus and Hermogenes. Because they deserted him. And uh, why would they desert him? Um, you know, who knows? Who knows what was motivating them? Uh, they might have got tired of, of being ostracized. Uh, maybe they didn't agree with him. Maybe, you know, who knows? All, all Paul says is these guys, and in fact everybody, has deserted me. But then he says, may the Lord show mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. Because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed. Of my change. Not ashamed of the situation. He didn't deserve it. Well, if you want your name in the Bible, this is the side you want on. My name shows up because I was a nice guy. Because I helped somebody. Because I was there for them. Everybody else abandoned Paul. And again, why they would do this is kind of hard to understand. But we weren't there and we don't know what they were thinking. I can only assume, had we been there, most of us would have done the same. Because people are people. And I don't think we're much different than than they were 2,000 years ago. What dynamic was going on, I don't know. All I know is it became very, very, very difficult to love Paul. If you were here for our teaching on Galatians, you might know why. (laughs) Not the warmest and fuzziest guys at times, you know. But uh, at some point, and they, they left him except this guy. He went out of his way to show kindness to him. And to love him. And to be there for them in the midst of his most miserable situation. He says, on the contrary, when, when this guy was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, you know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. So, wow. God bless Anisiphorus. However you say it. Then he goes on. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. It's, it's good things happening for you that you don't deserve. That's it. You say, well, I don't deserve God to bless me. Correct. I don't deserve God to help me. You're right. I deserve to go to hell. Absolutely. The beautiful thing about is in Christ is that we get all this grace. Unearned favor. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't do anything about it other than to trust him. And Paul says, man, if you're going to be strong in something, be strong in the grace of God. Be strong. Let this grace just abound in your life. This unmerited favor, this, this unmerited blessings. And I, I'll tell you, man, I, you know, I am not the smartest guy in the world. God only knows. Uh, I, I, I'm not the most thoughtful guy in the world. My wife only knows. And... Uh, I'm not the most patient guy in the world. My employees only know. But you know what? I'm just stunned at how much God loves me. And really shows his love to me by blessing my life. I am. I am such a blessed guy. I really am. Does that mean I get everything I want? No. Does that mean I never have problems? No. Sometimes I just get tons of them. 
But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I know my life. I know what my life was before I came to Christ. And I know what my life is now. And my life now is continually blessed because of God's grace in my life. You can't earn this. You can't make this up. I say, God, thank you. Thank you for using me at all to help people. How many times it's exhausting uh, the, the life that we have right now. But it's, it's amazing how God is opening doors and making things happen and... and uh, you know, honestly, I mean, you know, this book's coming out. I, I get this book deal with Simon & Schuster, one of the biggest publishers in the world. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's a miracle. You know, I'm a guy, no one's going to be more shocked than my high school English teacher. <laughs> you know, I used to pray, oh God, just give me a D. You know, I mean, that's, this was my prayer through school. I barely served. Quite frankly, they should have never graduated me. With, without question. I did not deserve, I, I know why they graduated me. <laughs> oh God, move him on, move him on. Yeah, it's a D, it's a D, whatever, it's a D, let him go. Not the smartest guy I haven't earned. You can't earn this stuff, you can't make this up. For God to be blessed in my life in the way I'm not smart enough to make this happen. And no one is more stunned than I. It's true. It's true, I, I can't make this stuff up. And I think it's kind of neat that this happened so late in life for me. And, you know, most of my life, nobody cared 10 cents what I thought about anything. They just never cared. Nobody cared. It was one of the reasons, by the time I turned 30, I got so discouraged with being in the ministry. I said, this just reeks. This is awful. So I got out. And I didn't go backslide you know I stayed involved in church and kept but I just started my own business and lived a normal natural life like most of you that's what I did for 17 years I hadn't well, by the time I came to Bayside I hadn't preached in almost 20 years just it just nothing and and I was glad just you know when I finally uh, kids were out of school and stuff and and it started dawning on me that you know, I told my wife you know maybe I zigged when I should have zagged you know you, you kind of hate having Regrets, you know what I'm saying? Here I'm 45 years of age, whatever, it's 36, and, and I went, whoops. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, not that my life was a waste, but I, I just felt like I'd, I'd kind of, I'm not where I should be. And, and I remember thinking, what do you do now? You know, I'm, I'm in my mid 40s, I'm pushing 50, nobody knows who I am, nobody cares. And, and I remember praying. And talking to God all by myself. And, you know, just, you know, I'm not a big crier, per se, but I was crying by myself. And, and, and I just felt really bad. And I said, Lord, I have wasted so much. You've blessed me with so much, and I, and I didn't do anything with it. Not like I should have. And I felt bad. And, and, and I said, you know, it's okay. I just, I just want to do whatever I can to possibly serve you. And uh, the only place I even know to go for ministry, the only guy I even knew in ministry was Arnie Jacobson. I sent him a note. I said, do you know anybody who could use a Puerto Rican piano player? That was, that's all I did. I sent him a CD and that was the note. And he calls me up right away and says, I'll take you. I, I thought, you will? And, and we moved to Green Bay. And after being here for a year or so one day, we're walking along down the hall. And he says, hey Gunger, you ever preach? And I went, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess I can I don't, and, and he started encouraging me. And, and, and you, many of you were here. All of a sudden, people started responding to, to my ministry. And it was amazing to me. I, think, I talked and they listened. 
Isn't that freaky? You know, and they actually wanted to hear what I had to say. And I'm still stunned by it, quite frankly. You know, and I mean that. Honestly, I, I you know. And people calling us around the country and want us to speak here and there. And we, we just giggle. <laughs> Isn't this funny? <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. What is it? It's called the grace of God. It's called the grace of God. It's God using you in a way you do not deserve to be used. And the truth is nobody deserves any of this stuff. But be strong in the grace of God. Let God do things for you you don't deserve. But see, a lot of people they are so conscious of the fact they don't deserve it, they, they push God away. You know what I'm saying? It's like Adam. Adam and Eve in the garden. They mess up. And God comes. And what do they do? Do they run to God? Do they run to God and say, oh God, help me get this right? Oh God, help me fix this? What are they? They're hiding. They're hiding. See, that's what we do by nature. We, we hide from God. We run from God. We mess up. We blow it. We're idiots. We, 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 we fail. And, and st- instead of running to God so that he can empower us with his grace in our lives, we feel badly and we, we turn and, and we run. And uh, don't be like that. Let, let God's grace. You don't deserve this. Nobody deserves this. Uh, it doesn't mean that your life will look like mine. Nobody's life looks like anybody else's. Everybody's different. God has a unique plan for all of us. I'm just thrilled that we get to be part of it at all. It's all his plan. And, uh, and, and, and quite frankly, knowing me, this probably would have never worked for me had I had any success as a young man. Because I would have been convinced it was because I was so cute. <laughs> you know, because I'm so smart. Because I'm so, you know, hoochie, hoochie, coochie, you know, that's, that's me, you know, I, you know, but, but, you know, at 53 and things start working for you and you just go, oh, check that out. You know what I'm saying? It's wild. You know, focus on the family calls. It wants me to come talk to their people. How do you make that up? <laughs> focus on the family. They obviously don't know me. <laughs> or at least they don't know me in high school. But, uh. It's, it's wonderful, and it's all unlimited favor. And, and if we're going to be strong in anything, don't be strong in your own strength. You know, don't be such a smart guy. You know, be humble. Be willing to admit, you know, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know. Every once in a while we run across a scripture, you know, and we say, I don't know what it means. You know, I could pretend I do and just quote what somebody else says about it. You know, some of that, some of that, I don't know what they're talking about. And I read what they say. I still don't know what they're talking about. And you hear me say, I don't know. I don't know why. It's okay. I don't prove anything to anybody. You know? I know what the other ten mean. I don't know what the one means, but I know what the other ones mean. You know, let's move on. You know, trust God to use you uh, where you're at. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men. Why? We've got to get this into other people. We've got to get this into other guys so they can take this stuff and this can spread. That was Paul's concern. This wonderful thing, this wonderful grace, this wonderful story that we've been celebrating tonight as I've been talking. He says, this is great, this is wonderful that we have this, but, but that I have it, but Timothy, you need to get it. And then everybody that you can see that you, you can trust, give it to them. And, and let's, let's spread this thing and let's, let's build something that will last until the Lord returns. That was his whole, whole motivation. Uh, and trust us to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. And then he says this, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Again, a completely different picture than what a lot of people picture Christianity today. They picture it that if you really believe in Jesus, you won't have any hardship. 
No, 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 no. You will have hardship. You will have hardship. Those who suffer, those who live godly in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, will suffer. Jesus said, in this world you will have many troubles. You know, you don't find that verse in the promise boxes. You know, pick your promise first for the day. Your life stinks. You'll have many problems. I mean, nobody cries, oh, praise God, I'm trusting you, God, for more problems. You know, nobody, nobody does that. But he says, in this world you will have many troubles. But he says, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Isn't that fabulous? The world will make you miserable. The world will beat up on you. The world will give you a hard time. At times, life, you'll just hear this huge sucking sound over your life. Because your life will suck. But he says, but be of good cheer. Why? Because that world that's sucking the life out of you, he says, I've overcome that thing. Now you stay with me. I'll take care of you. It's like, it's like when you're a guy in high school and everybody like to beat up on you, like some guys I can think of. And uh, we liked hanging with the really big guys. Why? Because they took care of us. You know, it's cool. You hung with the big guy and then, you know, you had a little more swagger. That's right. That's right, don't mess with me. Don't, mess with, don't, don't hit me, man. Look out for it, you know. Because the big guy would take care of you. There's always everybody like, you know, when little, little guys like hanging with the big guys. It was cool. There was always protection. I'm telling you, we have someone way bigger than anybody else on this planet. His name's Jesus. It's like having Superman as your best friend. Hallelujah. You're going to have a rough time at times. You say, Pastor, my life is really rough. That, that's good. That means the Bible's true. But be of good cheer. That roughness you're, you're, you're enduring, Jesus has overcome all of that. He can pull you through any of that. He has overcome the world. Praise God. Well, let's have our ushers come forward and we'll uh, take our evening offering. Our musicians can come back up. <sighs> I love this stuff. I do, I just love God. I love all this faith stuff. You know, I know people who just, they run from it. I, man, I just think this is fabulous. I cannot, you know, I, I can't imagine how people live life without this and without this. I talk about life sucking. I mean, that's just, and people all around us are trying to go through all the very same tough things that you all have to endure, but they don't have anybody that's on their side. They don't have someone that they've connected with that pulled them through, that gives them faith, that answers their prayers, that does miracles on their behalf. Man, that, that's rough. I would rather serve Jesus than, uh, than be the smartest guy in the world, than to be the richest guy in the world, than to be the most powerful guy in the world. I mean, there's, just, I can't, there's nothing out there that I would rather have than what I have in him. This makes life more than livable in him we can live victorious we have boy if you haven't gotten this yet you need to get this come to jesus put your trust in him experience this glorious thing that we call faith it is so fabulous let's pray father we thank you for your kindness and your mercies thank you god that you love us lord you love all of us uh, even uh, those of us uh, sitting here maybe uh Maybe we've, they've lived their entire lives and never really thought much about you at all. Lord, it's never too late. 
It's never too late. Help them, Lord, to trust you now. Help them to learn the wonderful secret of being strong in grace. (laughs) Strong in having things going right for them. Strong with having your favor and your blessings around them. Help all of us, God, wherever we're at in life, to just make that determination. Man, I, I want this to be about Jesus. I need God blessing my life. So that, Lord, even in the midst of our most difficult times, we can be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Not based on our circumstances, but based on your amazing grace that you've shown towards us that lives on the inside of us through faith in Christ. Thank you for these offerings, Lord, that we're about to give. We pray that you'll bless them to advance the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.